We're Not Dead, a podcast about a story of survival. Bang, 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 bang. Episode 56 of We're Not Dead, the official community podcast for We're Alive. I am your host, Buttsex McGee, and I am joined by Nick Voodoo. Hello, Buttsex McGee. Surprise that you are joining me, or is it a surprise that I am joining you? I think it's a surprise anytime Buttsex McGee is involved. <laughs> I think we need guests. I think we, we do. do. And thank you very much for everyone who has emailed in. There's been a whole bunch of you I'm going to start reaching out and scheduling uh, this week. So hopefully we have a guest on next week. Right on. It'll be fun times. Totally. So an episode happened. An episode did happen. 37-2 happened. Yes. And uh, I guess, what, what did you think of this episode? Um, I feel... It it was a good setup episode. Uh, we got the resolution on our on our hack and slash job on CJ's leg, so that was mm-hmm. cool to finally bring that to a resolution. Mm-hmm. Um, I my my horrible prediction for the future right now is that everyone's going to overreact to pegs, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's going to become a huge argument <laughs> amongst everyone that oh, pegs is such a bitch she's such a hoe blah, yeah blah, we'll blah, get blah, there blah. trust me we'll, we'll yeah, get we're, on that we're getting topic. there <laughs> uh yeah like, i thought pegs it was actually it's, it was a really nice episode you know i was able to listen and not worry about someone immediately well i guess there was cj surgery but yeah. I, I had a feeling she would be okay but you mm-hmm. know just it was a chill episode there wasn't like any impending doom there weren't like zombie man bear pigs trying to break through the walls so it was a really <laughs> good kind of Let's touch base on the characters, see what's going on with them. Yes. And yeah, we're just slowly setting up, we're building up, and before you know it, all hell is going to break loose. Yes, all hell will break loose, and it's going to be happening soon. Uh, it has to happen soon, because now we have what happened at the end, and that that's a powder keg. That's right. a huge powder keg And we don't get a lot off. of episodes like this, so you know what? No. Cherish them, people. Embrace yeah, them. Love Cher- them. Cherish your character development because when it happens, it's going to make it that much better when someone dies or acts heroic. And that's or... what's so great about this. You know, the characters. That's what makes it. So. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of characters, let's talk about our uh, dynamic duo, Michael and Pegs. Oh, Mikey Peggy. So, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but according to Pegs and, you know, the dates that all this stuff went down, they have known each other for, quote, unquote, three months. They were together for that long. And then she was in Boulder for about four months. Correct. So, keeping that in mind, you know, Michael, whatever, you know, Pegs has been back for a bit and Michael approaches her and he's like, I probably should have talked to her earlier, but, you know, I'll just go knock on her door and see what's cooking. And he was utterly rejected. Totally and horribly rejected. Totally and horribly rejected. I mean, I think this is a really good moment for Pigs. Like, it really shows that she's grown a pair. She's not the clingy, clingy, whiny, dependent girl that she used to be. She's she's holding her own now, and so I think that was impressive on her end. Um, it was probably a great wake up call for Michael. Uh, yep. you know, they're, they're not my favorite couple to begin with. They're just, they don't have a lot of chemistry and that's purposeful, right? It's not the character, the actors, it's just the, the characters themselves. Well, it's, it's not even, I mean, yes, obviously it's, it's the characters is not an actor thing because we've obviously seen them all interact with each other and they're amazing. The character of Michael 
and someone brought this up. Uh, someone brought this up on the on the forum. I'm pretty sure it was SC Bubba, and I'm pretty sure I have it screen captured to bring it up later. Uh, he he really exhibits a lot of PTSD in mm-hmm. his actions, uh, which is post traumatic stress disorder. If you do not know, um, so he exhi- he exhibits the inability to really connect with people on an emotional level, and we've seen that from the first three minutes of the entire production. Was hey Mike, you want to go to the party? <laughs> no, um, so it's, this isn't. A new thing for Michael. It's just the way that he is. And that's going to make it hard for him to have a relationship with anybody because he's not emotionally available for them, which exactly. has always been the problem that Pegs has had uh, with him. Pegs did a pretty decent job, you know, on letting him down gently. She just wasn't like, no, da da da. You know, she's very calm, cool. And I think she kind of gets Michael. So, anyway, so let's uh, get into what some of the people on the forums think. You thought that was gently? I thought it was gently in the sense she wasn't bitchy about it. She, I mean, it was she wasn't like da da da. Her tone was gentle. She, I think she gets that Michael needs that. That he has some issues and that she can't be a complete and utter snarky sounding biatch to him because that's just cruel. I think he deserved uh, what he got, but yeah, I definitely agree he deserved what he got because again, emotionally unavailable. But I don't agree that that was nice. I don't think that was. I mean, she snapped at him and threw another relationship right in his face well, and then got pissy and stormed off. I mean, that's he the way I look at it. it. I mean, oh I've just God. seen relationships in the past where, you know, pigs could have been like, well, you know what? I was with somebody else and blah, blah, blah. You were never there for me. She was just, she was very diplomatic about it. I feel like that's the way she handled it. It sucked and it stung, but it wasn't bitchy. Osiris says, the whole Pegs Michael story is getting on my nerves. Just man up and get over it, Cross. <laughs> Janet said, these two have never made much sense to me. They never seem to really have much chemistry in the episodes, and like people have pointed out, they just don't seem very well suited to one another. Raven said, yes, so much yes. I know I'm in the minority who really dislike Pegs, but at least she seems to have grown the pair that Cross is missing. I would be curious to hear more about the civilians' lives in Boulder and how they are integrating into Colony 2.0. SC Bubba, I don't care about the Michael and Pegs exchange. <laughs> Yet another bloody cheek says maybe Michael should try to get over Pegs. You know, so it, the consensus is very clear <laughs> how I think the majority of people are feeling. But you know what? I, I kind of feel, and and maybe this is my own interpretation and maybe I'm reading too much into it, I really feel like that was more of an act than she's putting on the words say no, but her hurt tone is still saying yes, yes, please come back. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's just me. I might be looking too much into no, it. No, I I agree with, I, you know, at the end she's like, I just, I can't, goodbye, and she shuts the door, you know, so that obviously yeah. she's torn there, and she's probably just not in a place right now to deal with it, because apparently her homeboy, her ex-homeboy is like zombie fodder now, so, you know. Eh, screw the ex-homeboy, we don't even know who he is, unless oh. we do know who he is. Intrigue. Okay. I don't think um, Cabbage Patch has a theory. It says Pegs will end up hooking up with Pete. Mike will take the Pelican back to Fort Irwin to hunt for supplies where he will find Nurse Britt's. I support wow. this theory. Nurse Britt is alive. She is hunkered down, like I said, in a bunker with beer and hot wings and whiskey and video games. Mental note, if you ever want to make a, get a post that gets onto uh, We're Not Dead, mention Nurse Britt and it's almost a guarantee. Oh, yeah, I got to look out for her. She's a, she's a very important character to the series, and I feel like she doesn't get the recognition she deserves. That's a I, quote I, from Casey Wayland. <clears throat> that may or not may not be a quote from Casey Wayland. <laughs> big old disclaimer, I might be lying. <laughs> Never. 
Uh, the next big plot shindig we have here is uh, CJ surgery. Yes, and I'm so glad that I, I I'm so glad we didn't have to hear it. So yeah, glad. I mean, and let's talk about that. I thought that was brilliant. The way you know the listener hears those headphones as they're yep. being put on CJ, and you can hear Michael's muffled voice in the background, and it all just kind of fades. Like I, I was sitting there, I was like, I for a second I was in CJ's like body, and I was like, oh shit, oh shit, you know, are you gonna feel like the cut of the knife? Are you gonna feel anything? Is it gonna feel like a pinch, a scratch? And then obviously it just faded away. But yeah, um, I, I, yeah, I, I'm. Not like tooting my own horn because I really felt like this was the best way to do it, but I'm really glad that uh, you know it went down the way it did. I I didn't need to hear it. We already heard the horrific Saul surgery. I didn't need to hear it again. And for five hours, oh my god, I can't even imagine trying to <laughs> to, to boil five that hours down. Five hours of we're alive of just the surgery. Oh, dude, you have no idea. Everyone would love it because be like five hours of we're alive. All right, this is so this is grotesque and horrifying and. And, oh, my God, is that her bone? Celery stalk. Snap. Oh, gross. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I thought that scene was really well played out. You know, I thought it was nice how Saul was able to talk to CJ. And, you know, he pretty much said, you, you know, you don't need your legs. You have your brain. And that's yeah. or your leg. You know, you have your brain. As long as you have that, you can still fight. And then I think that was what registered with her. She was like, oh, do it. Yeah. For being as smart as she is, I'm surprised she didn't realize that once you put a tourniquet on, you have a limited amount of time to fix whatever has happened to you. And mm -hmm. I don't, I, I'm surprised she didn't actually know that because she knows so much about so much. I know. I, I'm wondering if she did know what it was, but I'm thinking, you know, when you're faced in that situation and it's you, maybe you're just not thinking logically, you know, because yeah, I can't I imagine guess. she wouldn't know what that was. No, there's no, I mean, tourniquets are pretty damned obvious it's you know painful to to administer like i've had a tourniquet put on me as like a in like a health class thing like way back in high school mm -hmm. they hurt they hurt a lot like even as like a one it was like a one twist like tourniquet so it's obviously not trying to actually pinch off a an open you know vein or artery or something but right. man, tourniquets hurt and if you have one on you you're in so much trouble just know mm -hmm. that if you have a tourniquet on, go seek medical help immediately. <laughs> Words of wisdom from Nick Video. Yeah, because, you know, I have so many little nuggets of wisdom to give you. <laughs> um, let's talk really quick. I think it's worth mentioning. Um, people are all aflutter on the forum talking about Michael's arm. He's oh, talking yeah. about something or another, and then he says his arm was nearly broken off, not just broken. So people are, you know, we're still wondering what the hell happened to Michael at the waterworks and what happened. Arch Will says, we all know Casey loves his double meanings and his wording is orchestrated perfectly. Did everyone notice Michael's phrasing when he referred to his arm? He didn't say his arm was broken. He said his, he nearly had his arm broken off. So this indicates a possible brutal assault by Behemoth, a zombified Randy, a human Randy, Chuck Norris. Hmm. What do you think? Do you take anything from that? I do. One thing I will take from it, because I, I don't think it was a behemoth directly involved, because if it was, he wouldn't have an arm anymore. It would have been ripped off, and then he would have been, like, beaten to death with it. Mm -hmm. um, I I will buy into potentially a human Randy holding on to a Michael arm who's being yanked by a behemoth. That oh, would that's be, a good that one. That would be a nice, valid way to let Michael break his arm and not actually lose it, and also give him something to deal with Randy and the waterworks and... You know, however, that whole thing went down, which 
please get to that fast. I want to know. Um, <laughs> so what in what context would Randy be holding on to Michael's arm? Would it be in an effort to save him, get him? I think it would be in an effort of Michael to save Randy. Mm. Like, say you're on like a catwalk, you're falling off, and Behemoth down below reaching up, jumping to grab at you, and Michael's trying to grab on, has them by the arm, and I don't know, uh, Randy holds on so hard and gets yanked and just sort of like torques it and it breaks. But, you know, at that point, you're talking about dislocation and not, you know, actually snapping the arm. Which he did. We know he broke the arm and it set wrong because that's what Tanya told him. Right. Man, I don't know. Either that or maybe he gets it closed in a door. Maybe, maybe we had the ultimate foreshadowing that Arrowhead... Hopefully, I know we'll find out. We will find out. But yeah, yeah. it's just one of those things that I think is kind of on the back burner right now. And it, and when it comes to surface, it's going to be like, oh, no, that's like the perfect time. Yeah. It's going to be a typical Wayland thing. No, of course. Uh, the next topic, let's talk about the impending division we have. The balance among peoples and their powers and their egos and I was all say, that good stuff. Might we even say the balance of power? Balance of powers and egos and egos and powers. Those things. Those things. Those are things that are being balanced. Yes. Um, so essentially, Nick, do you want to give a quick overview between the conversation Victor and Michael had and like leave it to like 15 seconds? Well, the long and the short of it again, like we said before was uh, the people of the colony don't like Michael because Michael screwed them over, even though Victor kind of screwed them over as well. But Gatekeeper and Bixby would have been the ones to tell the story, and they would have blamed uh, Michael and Victor and Tanya. Well, I think they may have given Tanya a pass, otherwise Tanya might have been punched by now. Um, mm-hmm. So v- Victor and Michael are going to be blamed for the fall of the colony to the Maulers, more specifically Michael, who's probably going to be blamed for Marcus's death, even though we know it wasn't him. Um, and so that's that Michael is automatically right now assuming he's going to take control of everyone because that's just sort of what he does. And Victor keeps telling him that's a bad idea. It's a bad idea. And this is all your fault. And you're the one blah, 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 blah. blah. That was more than 15 seconds. So with that being said, let's head to some of the theories we have. We have S.C. Bubba's, who says, Speaking of Senor Mas Macho, we finally see something more about Vic and his assignment of blame to Michael. I think he's going to be part of the division. Not sure where he'll end up. Vic is definitely not one of Michael's biggest fans. Clem131 says, Victor is comical in his attempts to blame Michael for what he did, and I fear he foreshadows the type of stupid arguments the colonists will have against Michael. He did not let them kill him. He escaped. He came back because they called him with a sat phone. He's got big teeth and smells of broccoli. <laughs> I don't well, get that part. But it says, also, know, I, we knew who the colonists in charge were. Marcus, Gatekeeper, Bixby. They are all dead now. The argument about who rules the colony will need a voice from the colony side. I wonder if that means we'll meet another character in the show, someone with a strong enough attitude to voice the colonists' objections, or if it'll just be an ensemble of angry voices from the side. Now, Nick, maybe you can clarify this. I read someone on the somewhere on the forums that someone said that Casey said there wouldn't be any new major characters in the story. If he said that, I missed it, so I can't speak. Okay, to it. I I don't remember hearing that either. But someone thought that he had said that, so that could have that may that may be the assumption because basically we're running out of people that could potentially be introduced, except for random uh, colonists and potentially random Mauler, mm-hmm. um, or a really smart zombie that's not Randy or the one with the markings. Um, All right. So that's pretty much it. I don't know who we could possibly introduce. 
Burton says, my guess is that talk breaks down in an angry shouting match, but in the middle of it, CJ arrives and set things straight, and she'll be charged with a colony because she can't go anywhere. Janet says, this episode seems is at the stage for Michael to take a step back from leadership position. And Cabbage Patch said, I doubt Victor is interested in taking power for himself. I think he is honestly trying to warn Michael of a real political danger based on his concerns in his conversations with colony survivors. Yes. I like Cabbage Patch's idea. Well, he did did have a long time to sit with, or not a long time, he had a long enough time to sit with Gatekeeper and Bixby Mm -hmm. to learn what's been going on and to figure out what the sort of general populist feeling is. Um, I don't know how he gets away with this Mm scot-free. Exactly, because obviously he would have been part of the part of the blame game that Bixby and um, and uh, Gatekeeper came out with. So I don't know how he gets away scot-free. So he's not obviously... I don't think that he's a leader to this new group dynamic because I don't think he can be because the, the colonists aren't going to trust him either. So I like the idea that CJ takes control mm-hmm. because she is a neutral party. She is not Michael. She is not Victor. And there's no one in the colony that has the sack to step up to the best of our knowledge. Exactly. I like the idea of CJ coming up and setting things straight. And I mean, I know it's called the balance of power for a reason, but I hope, you know, in an ideal world, everybody will just fall under CJ's rule. But I mean, come on, let's, let's be, let's be realistic here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then finally, the big bad shenanigan woozy epic king boss of suckage. (laughs) Or as I called it, my Favoritest Monday last year. <laughs> Angel's death tape has been revealed all over TMZ and it has gone viral. Bam, snuff film. Alright, so it has been unleashed from the knowledge and bowels of Victor that Angel was executed point blank by our lovely Jenna McComey. Yes, indeed, she was. She did. He she, was. She yeah, did. yeah. Um, wow, let's talk okay, a few yeah. about the theories. Essie Bubba again says, "I can barely begin to think of how that's going to affect the people in relationships when it gets out to everyone else, especially Riley, who we have heard so little from lately. I'm glad to see Angel's legacy is coming back into play. I really wonder how the revelation of his involvement with the family will play out. Will someone like Kelly draw a conclusion about Scratch from this info and put something in play to get revenge?" More to ponder. I mean, Lizzie already knows about the family and blah, blah, blah. So. Yes. Um, which doctor says, Victor is turning into Hamlet here. He keeps waiting until the right time to reveal someone's death. First Sean, now Angel. What does it matter anyway? Has he been told that the others already think that Angel is dead? Also, the more he holds off, the more I'm beginning to side with Scratch that killing Angel was an act of mercy. He was dying from the fall. Scratch shooting him was as much of mercy as it was murder. Uh, mm. I don't think there's anything merciful about merciful, merciful about Scratch. Um, I think the whole like it was mercy. Maybe there was like a one percent mercy, and maybe that's how she justified the ninety nine percent urge of killing him. Yeah, I'm gonna say I think that if you were to to take a sort of a bar graph of what Scratch felt at that moment, it's like a hundred and ten percent rage. And if she had gotten the information she wanted out of him, then yes, then it's a mercy killing. The last thing he said was, fuck you. Yeah. So it became 110% rage and 0% or negative 10% uh, mercy. 
So, I mean, the honest to God truth is I can't imagine how the news of Angel's death is going to impact the story in any great way. Unless, like, somebody gets so fudge and pissed off, like, Riley gets pissed off and goes oh. and does something, like, you know, weird and that, like, unleashes a chain of events. Because, you know, they've already been acting and maneuvering as if Angel is already dead because he hasn't been involved. So, well, I think it'll right, be a but- shitty piece of info, but it's got it has to be something we don't hide it for this long without it being something there are only two characters alive before this chapter part that knows what happened to angel and it was victor and it was lizzie and obviously okay scratch because she did it um but in terms of the friends yes it's one thing to lose angel in the tower collapse that is an expected casualty of a war between them and the maulers Mm -hmm. and that was what they understood was he was on top of the tower it fell he has to be dead there's just no way he ha- he can live. He has to be dead. Mm-hmm. To learn that he survived and could have potentially made it, which, okay. Not likely, he, but... <laughs> not likely, and it wasn't... The odds of him making it were very slim. But to have him survive that and then be murdered by the person that is, a, that is living that you hate the most... Mm-hmm. So you think to- it's going to propel yes. people forward? And, like, this is what we need, and now we are really going on the offensive and da 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 Yep. I, I, it has it has to do something. I think it'll have an impact for sure. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I, I think <laughs> it has to be a propelling force in some manner or else it's sort of a wasted opportunity. Mm-hmm. Well, Nick, do you have any other points you wanted to bring up? Because that's all, that's all I got. I have one question from Osiris, but... Oh, okay. That's good because that was the question I was going to ask too. <laughs> um, let me see here. There was one person, I have to bring it up, on Facebook, and I apologize, I'm about to butcher your name, um, Shepo Zadumu. Victor has some nerve. He was instrumental in everything that happened at the colony. I know we already talked about that, but uh, I wanted to give Facebook some love. Amber Greer, hate to say it, Michael got what he deserved in terms of pegs. Hope he can fix it. And I asked her what she meant by that. She didn't actually clarify. Um, hmm. But yeah. A lot of the same sentiment of what we've we've already discussed, but mm-hmm. general consensus is that Victor is feeling really ballsy because he stabbed a big dude in the eye with a needle and survived to tell him. his tale, and that Vi- yeah. Michael just yeah. needs Michael some needs a lot of help. help. He he needs Doctor Phil to come back. Um, our question from Osiris is, dear Brits. If We're Alive was turned into a video game and you were given the option to play through as any of the characters, Mahler or Residents, who would be your first choice? It's obvious Nick would play as Angel to ensure the, uh, the character never survives and probably send <laughs> screen caps to Wraith. I would say that if I, <laughs> if I had the option, yes, playing as Angel and walking off of every cliff and into every zombie horde would be fun. Uh, I think that if you gave me the option, I would like to play Tardust. Oh, because I I like he's a very brainy guy. He has a bit of a conscience, despite the fact that he's a filthy, dirty rapist. You know, he does act, Mm -hmm. try to act in people's um, best interests every once in a while. He just always gets outruled and he's an explosive expert. So that's fun. So give me Tardust. That would be fun. Ah, okay. honestly, if this was a video game and. I had to pick a character. It would probably be Saul because he's so quirky, funny. You know, he's mm. he just has that like charm about him. He's always kind of the mood lightener. Um, <clears throat> he's just very self-assertive, and that that's the kind of character I like to play as, and that's the kind of like point of view I like to experience stories through. 
So I would probably have to say Saul. Now, if this was like an origin story or something, you know, where you get to like start with a person as yeah, like the, from the, the neutral character, da da da. I would probably have to pick Scratch. I mean, granted, I, I, we know what happens to her, yeah. but it would be fascinating to get uh, more into her head. Yeah, that that Scratch. It's always fun to play the villain. Let's be honest, villains are always fun to play. That's why it's so much fun yeah. when you get the opportunity. And I think Scratch would have a really fun like origin story. Michael, not so much. I mean, you know, we we. I mean, I granted it would be interesting to kind of see like his backstory, you know, his family life and what he was like as a citizen. But that's a that's a really good question. I'm kind of mm. curious what others think. If you have that an answer, really send it to we're not dead podcast at gmail dot com. Absolutely, or you can tweet us at WND Podcast on Twitter, or you can send a comment to us on Facebook. Uh, or you can talk to us on the forum at www.zombiepodcast.com slash forum. We're everywhere. We are. We are legion. We are. Well, yeah, I mean, this was kind of a shorter episode, but I guess there's really not a heck of a lot. I mean, there were things that happened, but no huge plot twists, no huge, like, you know, we did and foreshadows and blah, 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 blah. So we, we did forget uh, one of the funniest moments, though. What was that? Which was Saul pushing Lizzie away from the door so Pegs and Michael could talk and you can't push me, I'm pregnant. You can't use that for everything. Oh, that was that see, that's kinda why I really like this episode. You know, you get to see the character interaction on like a neutral level. Like, you know, there's sure there's impending doom and sure they're like living the last of the days, but you know, they're they're able to kinda like take a step back and just kinda chill. So you yeah. get to see that fun interaction. Now there, someone else and I apologize, I don't have the screen cap of that because I was looking for it. Um Someone else brought up like the fun of uh, Puck and his uh, trading card or the baseball cards um, mm-hmm. that he likes to to handle, and Saul likes his video games and uh, Victor whatever. likes Buffy. Victor likes his Buffy, except he's missing just two, which is unfortunate. Um, what post world hobby would you like to partake in? Post world hobby? Oh my gosh, I would have like so much fun hobby. collecting video games, like ransacking. I don't grant I couldn't really collect them because it's not really feasible to carry on a bunch of like old carts or something. But no, I think it'd be really cool to like ransack people's homes and just see what's in there. And like what can you find? It's like a it's like playing a Fallout or a Skyrim or Oblivion, you know, where you can just like bust at anyone's home and like see what's in there and shit. I think mm-hmm. that'd be fascinating. Yeah, I, I I tried to think about what what nerdy hobby I would because I'm like I've always been a nerd and I was like I don't really remember any of the nerdy things I used to do anymore you could do Dungeons and Dragons that doesn't require technology it doesn't require tabletop stuff could be fun that could be but I was never a big D&D person anyway like I I tried to get into it I I joined a whatever dungeon clan Mm -hmm. whatever the hell they're called party party Mm -hmm. party I joined a party once when I was in college and it took me three hours to get invited into the game after I made my character. And I was so mind-numbingly bored by the time I got there. The first thing I did was I attacked a dragon so I could die and go away and just leave. Aww. So I but did. I, I attacked a like, dragon and, first of all, and I died. for doing that. But, what? Um, D&D could be really therapeutic in a post-apocalyptic world, right? Because you want to escape from this hellhole that you're living in. And if you can... You know, move yourself to some fantasy land full of dragons and living people and shit. That could be kind of fun. (laughs) But at the same time, (laughs) you're like, you approach a grocery store. What do you want to do? I want to buy groceries like any living person used to. It could be like a anti-apocalyptic like so and so instead of having it like be fantasy you have it based in reality as much as possible. Oh, this guy just cut me off. What do I do? Roll the dice. Ooh, I get to flip him off. Yeah. Exactly. 
That'd be okay. I think I would have fun doing that. I think that if I were to have to play Dungeons and Dragons and have like, you know, some ghoulish horde chasing me while I am in a zombie apocalypse, that would be so not fun. No, you wouldn't be able to do that kind of setting. That would just be like salt in the wound, but Yeah, definitely. Yeah, well shoot. That was a I'm really looking forward to the next episode because I feel like, you know, we're getting some we're getting set up for something big. I mean, mm-hmm. so uh yeah, and I think that yeah, uh, it's Casey times. Casey, I think, said that this next episode is going to be a little bit longer. I think he said it might be like 28 minutes. Mm. I will be coming back from a... I'm actually flying out this Friday to Casey's wedding. woo So I will be there, and I will be observing the man with a plan while he's standing up there all nervous and sweating while he waits for his beautiful bride to walk down the aisle. Daw. Yeah. That's going to be fun. I wish I could go. Yeah, it should be fun. But uh, anyway, so yeah, I guess we that'll do it for this episode. And yeah. we will see, or you will verbally hear us next week. Absolutely. All right. For Nick and for me, thank you for listening. And we're out. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>